to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this July the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with us on the phone, I'm hoping we have Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Still having well, we don't have Wes on time, yet. I'm afraid. Okay, well, uh, Wes, uh, phone the station, Still and we'll see if we can get you on. But in the meantime, we can talk about what we were going to discuss today. Can church save marriage? This was a number of interesting articles sent to me from Wes about the whole attitude toward marriage on the part of people. The fact is, according to a Census Bureau survey taken in 2018, only 35% of 25 to 34-year-old men are married. And that's a rapid plunge from 50% in 2005. In other words, marriage is getting rare. Now, part of the reason there is, of course, due to the pandemic. For example, many weddings are being delayed. Unlike funerals that have to be done, they're usually done with only a few people attending. But a wedding, rather than just have a few people, they put off the wedding until they can get larger crowds. And a lot of times, marriage is something that is done out of economic practicality, if not out of love. It's a fact that more women are interested in matrimony than men. Others are recent and ideological, including the new norm of short-term relationships and the penchant for keeping your options open. Now, this particular article actually did polling among a number of people to see what they were thinking about in regard to marriage. And they dealt with seven countries and 200 church-going young adult Christians. Mexico, Spain, Poland, Russia, Lebanon, Nigeria, and the United States. The average age was 27. And what they found was a lot of skepticism about marriage spreading well beyond the West. For example, there was a 25-year-old engaged physician in Spain who is marrying soon. One might think that of all men, a doctor marrying another doctor who's a woman after six years of dating her, would exhibit confidence. But guess what he's afraid of? 
Not to be free, he said. Tied to someone else. Compromise. Things you don't know that you don't know. Maybe we're okay now, but what about later? After asking him how exactly that might happen, he said, differences arise in a couple. The other person is different than you thought they were. I asked if dating for six years, wasn't that long enough to get to know someone? And you know what his reply was? I feel like I don't know her that well. So he's hardly alone in expressing uncertainty and its accompanying anxieties, particularly these days when so many marriages are ending up in divorce. And particularly, there's a lot of living together ahead of time, and people just think that's now natural. You know, I drive for Uber every now and then and get into conversation. Tom, we have your guest on the line. I was talking to a woman recently, and she was telling me, well, I'm really worried right now. And I said, why? Well, my boyfriend is sent to another city for some work he has to do, and it's a dangerous city. There are riots occurring there, and I'm really having trouble sleeping alone. Now, she wasn't married. They weren't even engaged. And yet she thought that sleeping alone was okay with her. And therefore, this is another problem we have where you can hardly turn on a television uh, program these days without adults sleeping together prior to marriage, as though that's really kind of obvious. We have with us right now Pastor Wes Reimnitz, who sent me these articles. What was your first impression as you were reading them, Wes? Uh, pretty much what you uh, were initially discussing there, you know, the people thinking in today's world it's okay to sleep together without the, the bonds of marriage. And uh, the, the initial question that the writer said is, can a church save marriage? And, of course, right away I said, of course not, because it, it, it involves a, a certain amount of work righteousness. And as you kind of plow through the article, it brings up how, how much people depend upon their surroundings and their what what they think they can do to, to achieve a perfect marriage before they enter a marriage. Yes. In, in fact, they were showing that some years ago, 16% of the population were in support for cohabitation. But in 2014, it jumped up to 27% by late 2018. And yeah, they were talking about the, the groups uh, that were roughly between the ages of 25 and 35. Yes. Yeah, in 65, for example... There were nine weddings for every 10 funerals. But by 2017, 
the ratio had dropped to 3.7 weddings for every 10 funerals. It really tells you that there's something sociologically in, in that area that's going along with uh, with with that. And you had mentioned too that uh, there was like more anxiety. There were higher expectations, endemic uncertainty. Those were some of the things earlier in the article. Later in the article, it it talks about that. Uh, Increasing options in the world today of technology, gender equality, cheap sex, secularization. There's a whole host of things that are coming to bear on there that they bring as reasons. But there was a fundamental question I had for you. What's that? Where do the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, fit into this? You know, we've discussed them in the past, and that seemed to come up in my mind that uh, – uh, they kind of leaving the church behind or making up church it seems to be a problem. Well, in my understanding of nuns, which means when you ask them, what denomination do you belong to? They say none. Uh, they may have some religious thinking, but the main problem with nuns is not agreeing with the moral commandments of the Holy Christian Church. Uh, many of the nuns have no problem with homosexual relationships. Uh, they don't have any problem with abortion. And they don't have any problem with living together with uh, somebody else prior to marriage. I mean, it, it's really interesting. I, I like watching these programs that have forensic science about them. How people who committed murder years ago could get away with it because forensic science wasn't up to the par that it is today. But I just saw one a couple of nights ago, and it occurred in Missouri at the University of Missouri uh, here in our state. And a young man was found murdered outside his apartment. And by using forensic they discovered that he had had a homosexual relationship with a policeman. And the policeman was found to be the murderer because he did not want, the policeman did not want his wife knowing about his relationship with this young man. So he killed him. But he did it in such a way that forensic scientists were able to discover not only who he was, but he was arrested and has ended up in prison now with a life sentence. These kinds of things obviously move people away from marriage. And yes, the Supreme Court ridiculously has said that gay marriage is okay. But that's not okay in the eyes of God. And as we've said a number of times, when people start going against the will of God in what marriage is, as well as these bad relationships, there are consequences to this. God has built-in consequences. Just like gravity means, it doesn't matter how much faith you have, 
if you jump out of a third-story window thinking you can fly, you're not going to be able to fly. The gravity is going to take you down. And people don't realize that God has placed these kinds of consequences in lives of immorality. It's not at all unusual on these forensic files to, to find people who are living together apart from marriage and see nothing wrong with it, even though the consequences are quite dire. You know, late in that first article, I mean, it's, I appreciate what you've said there, but earlier in that, or later in that article, they talk about uh, you're more likely to find a mate if you're focused on holiness than loneliness. I wonder if you caught that one. Uh, yes, that a lot of people were made by God to have a relationship with people. And that's why the other article you sent me, even though millions of parents have lost their jobs and thousands of people are dying from the virus, uh, there is, interestingly, a chance that this will have a good effect on marriage. Did you see how they got to that conclusion? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a whole list of uh, of things that, uh, quote, if if you went with what the younger people are talking about, not having marriage, what would have happened in history? There, there were, of course, was the Black Plague, World War One, World War Two, the Spanish American Flu, um, the nuclear bomb that was dropped, and of course the the Great Depression that everybody goes through. We're kind of going through a mini one like that. Um, a lot of us wouldn't be born today if if we had uh, succumbed to to what what they're succumbing to today. Yes, in fact, on their statistics, they indicated that the marriage rate is down even further, uh, where it hit a record low in 2018, because couples are reluctant to tie the knot when their economic prospects are uncertain. In fact, a lot of marriages break up, uh, not only because of uh, sexual attraction to other people, but also because of finances. Uh, somebody is spending too much money, or somebody else is not making enough money. And so the people that will be hit hardest by the marital decline will be those with the most precarious economic fortunes, the less educated, and the working class. So well, church, you know, church they, is important. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they say that about the, the poor, but, you know, there were several of them that they, they uh, interviewed that says, I can't marry and suffer, you know, when I have everything I want or – when I'm able to achieve everything I want to achieve for myself, then I'll get married. You know, there's there's a certain amount of – they're going along in their careers, and they are making money, but they they, they don't feel like they got enough of it to, to get married, too. So I think you got that aspect going on. Yes. Yes. The, this one article talks the difference. 
between marriages in the past often were built on the soulmate model of marriage. And that will likely fade and be replaced by a family-first model of marriage. That one article you sent me about that uh, young girl who finally got married and then became a Christian. And remember what she said about uh, her marriage? Because she had joined the uh, Baptist church as a Christian. Well, she she saw sex as, as being something more within the relationship. Yes. I think, yeah. And uh, many men... You know, she she viewed herself being with her husband. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before she became a Christian, cohabitation was something she defended. And marriage was just a piece of paper issued by the state. But after coming to faith and joining a Southern Baptist church, she now declares and believes that marriage is a covenant before God and a sacred relationship. And even more than the marriage, the arrival of children matured the love she had with her husband. Husband. Yeah, uh, I took a look at the catechism too to see what, what we uh, were, were teaching our young adults or confirmation. And when you that. say the catechism, you mean what Martin Luther wrote? Martin Luther's, Martin Luther's small catechism with explanation. You know, of course, we had these questions and and answers and Bible verses that we knew, like on the Sixth Commandment, which thou shalt not commit adultery. And uh, in particular, Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. So there, you know, Paul lays down a, within God's holy word, uh, uh, an equation, if you will, on how husbands and wives get along in their marriage and keep it holy. And he does so by comparing it to Jesus is the bridegroom, which, by the way, is uh, part of the lessons for this coming Sunday, and that the church is the bride. And it's very important to understand that Jesus uses the marriage relationship to show how close that he as the bridegroom is to the individual Christian believers that are considered to be the bride. Yeah, well said. In fact, you know, that when I looked at this article, uh, you know, they tried very nicely to, to bring out uh, the, the fact of, of being without, uh, quote, the holy us, or I don't have enough faith in order to, to carry out a marriage, you'd hear some of the people write, or they'd talk about their interviewees, and I thought that was what was missing for for really the punch of the article was uh, something like this Ephesians 5, where it talks about the relationship of a marriage to Christ and the church. 
Yes. They uh, use history in this one article. If uh, you take a look at the Great Recession, after this, the great hardships, it led many Americans to deepen their marital commitments and in many cases cancel their plans to divorce or separate. In fact, the divorce rate has fallen by more than 20% since the last recession as Americans become more committed to and cautious about married life. Because the family first model depends on a till death do us part ethic. In other words, a study recently conducted in California shows that couples who embrace this ethic are less likely to worry about divorce than those who believe that separating is a viable option. And I'm sure you and I both in our ministry, did we not counsel a number of couples that were contemplating divorce? Oh, yes. Now, we were not always successful in stopping that divorce, but I can think of a number of instances where they did not divorce, stayed together, in fact, had more children, and are now living a life, but they're members of the church as they attend worship services on a regular basis. And that's what we're looking forward to as this uh, virus dissipates. Right. And and I've even seen in instances where the the children of of a marriage that that went back to the Word of God, you know, uh, heeded to, to, to what the Lord had to say to them. The children went on to get married and had children of their own, and I've heard them often comment that uh, what what keeps their marriage strong is watching how their parents came through that, through their their uh, hard times, and uh, cling to the Lord. Yes, uh, they found in this survey that 77 percent of those who said. I'm in this marriage so long as our love lasts. We're satisfied in their marriage. But 82% of those who reported that divorce is not an option said that they were satisfied. Now, Mm -hmm. I know in your marriage and my marriage, I don't think we've ever considered divorce from our wife as an option, have we? No, no, no. It's, we won't say what they've considered, but <laughs> uh, no, I and and you know some of the health problems that I face today, and to have a wonderful mate that's there to help you through those 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 difficult days is committed to you to 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 love and take care of you, and that understanding of divorce not being an option is actually what the church is preaching on the basis of God's holy word. In fact, Paul makes a big deal about the law ending when a woman who is married 
and her husband dies, she is now free from that marriage and can remarry, but not until her husband dies. If she fools around with another person, she's considered an adulteress, and therefore there will be definite consequences. I, I can't think of a family I'm involved with to some degree where a divorce took place and the children were happy about it. Right. Really sad situations. But I think you made a really good point just a little bit ago that it's on the basis of God's word, the connections that they have. Luther makes that same point in a couple of his articles on marriage, uh, that it connects with the word of God and and the faith that, that, that comes through the word and the sacraments. Yes. And that's why preaching the Word of God is so important. Uh, C.F.W. Walther says, A pastor may know a lot of the doctrines of Scripture and not be wrong on them, but if he doesn't apply law and gospel properly, say in a situation where a couple is thinking about divorce, the law needs to be clearly spoken But the gospel is there also to show that as we follow the will of God, God strengthens us, and through the Holy Spirit, we're able to do good works. So, tomorrow's law and gospel will not be heard because it will be a repeat law and gospel. Because what's going on is the July 4th holiday for KFUO will take place on Friday. So we'll be back, God willing, on Monday. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker. P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.